Friday nights on your drive home, tune into the Prep Sports Post Game. We got scores and interviews all the way till midnight on the Blitz 1170. You know things are getting serious for one pro team when they have to remove the ping pong table from their locker room. More on that coming up in the hard-hitting news that you deserve right here on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That chuckle you hear is one Matt Hubbard, and we're going to hit up the Oklahoma Ford dealers hotline for more hard-hitting news and welcome in Eli Letterman from the Tulsa World joining us now here on the Blitz the beat writer for the Oklahoma Sooners. Hey, Eli, what's going on, man? How are you? Pop, I'm doing pretty well. That's, you, you bring up the ping pong table in Miami. What, what are like some of the trademark team is struggling moves? To, like, you pull the, the ping <laughs> yeah. pong table out, right. get rid of the TVs. Yeah, no TVs. The other one that I feel like, Eli, is just the it, – it's a home run every time, which is we're going to remove your name from the back of the jersey. <laughs> Oh, I love that. And you know what? Just as doomed as it usually is when you see a team pull the ping pong table out of the locker room, the same coaches who are like, yeah, the players have to earn their numbers. Usually ends the same way all around. Well, the prime example of that is Hugh Jackson in Cleveland going, you've got to earn the stripe on the Browns helmet. Like, okay. All right, sure. Whatever you say, buddy. There's Baker running around there without a stripe. All right. All right. How'd that work out for you, Hugh Jackson? you got to earn the stripe. Yeah, you've got to earn your, uh, let's see. I, I know for a fact, like Tom Herman, when he was in Houston with the Cougars, he took a giant log chain with a, with a big lock and locked them out of the football facility and said, no, you've got to earn the right to be able to unlock this and to go into the locker room. Like, <laughs> okay, all right. Yep. I mean, he did parlay the Texas job off of that, so I guess it did kind of work for him for a little bit because he doesn't have to work right now with that massive buyout. But still, he still got fired from Texas. So, you know, you've you've got to make several several jumps to get there. Uh, but Hey, man, we're all trying to get on the Matt Rule, uh, Tom Herman plan. Dude, give me that every day. You wouldn't see me for 48 months. Like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I can get a job anytime I want it. I can go back to college and get any job that's open that year. I don't have to rush back to work right away because they were dumb enough to give me a seven-year contract. But, but hey, that's me from people that will never have that in their entire life. If I were to just go, Eli Letterman, OU football, thoughts, how would you answer that question? Uh well, I guess in some ways, if we had it, we get here. Uh, it was probably, <laughs> okay. you know, on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, you could have looked back exactly 14 days from the final whistle and 14 days from the, uh, before that on the final whistle. They were ranked sixth in the country. They're unbeaten. They're ready to host Kansas State and all looked so good. And now here they are three games later, and it feels in so many ways like the sky is, is falling in Norman and, and this defense has disappeared. Obviously, last week was a particular blip on the offensive radar. I think, you know, we, we could have told you in July that if Dylan Gabriel was, was not going to play a game, that they'd be in trouble offensively. Uh, that much trouble, I don't know. But uh, certainly, I mean, the, that was the one-week thing. I think if Dylan Gabriel is back this week, you'll see that offense somewhat back up to speed. But, but the defense is the one you look at and, and you think, does it even matter which Kansas quarterback comes to town this week? Because that's just how dire things have been for this defense. 
So that's all my one thought. You asked for one thought. There's a few of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've you've got time here. If you've got more thoughts, please let's hear them because <laughs> I I I would say that it it is it's to a point where after Texas anyway, uh, I think you're even beyond the reaching for answers on things because it goes down to everything. Like everything's up for grabs at that moment by a variety of people. Like looking to place blame on something or anything or multiple things. But for the first time and as long as I can remember since going back to growing up in this state in the 90s, I heard this, and it was a very simple answer. I don't know. I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what they're doing. We don't have a lot of answers. That is how quickly it went from what happened in Lincoln to that happening in Texas with the great, I don't know, I wish I had answers. And that is kind of a weird position to be in for the very first time in a very long time for a fan base and for ex-players, for the players right now. Like Everyone seemingly is in that space right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that would, if I could just answer that way, that'd be great. I should just write that all week because I don't know. I don't think many of us do know. And I, I'm sure certain that they are more on top of this than I am or you are or any anyone at home is. But I'm not sure even within those walls, you know, if, if Brent Venables and, and Ted Roof and Jeff Levy and all down that staff really fully know. They're, they're trying to figure this out because they keep talking about, uh, you know, the thing Brent Venables said yesterday is they're not seeing what's going on in practice translating onto the field each week. And when you start talking that way and you're talking about discipline and just a lot of the same things, we're not – uh, necessarily looking at a defense where you can point to the exact weak spot. I mean, they're thin at linebacker. Not having Billy Bowman in the secondary is, is hurting them. But there's not – it's not like, you know, a lot of years where you can point to a unit and say, look, they're just a little underdeveloped there. They, they just seemingly are, are – mi- something went missing. Something after Nebraska went missing. And I think they're still looking for it. And I, I don't know that anyone can go into Saturday really knowing any anything of what they're going to look like. Uh, after these last three weeks, it would seem all bets are kind of off. I think that that's a a good way to look at it, uh, for sure, that all bets are off. Um, I I feel like outside of, and I don't know how you feel about from what you saw Saturday defensively compared to what you saw the week prior, but you go back and upon further review – not quite as many just detrimental busts on that uh, that we saw, like the the big mental errors. Like there weren't as many. There were still you know several, but not as many. Um, I and that would make me think that okay, they they've they figured like a couple of things out. The communication to me is is still awful on this. And by the way, we might be just be discrediting Texas for how good that they probably are with Quinn Ewers, who is an absolute freak at quarterback. Uh, but I do think that this is a confidence problem. And they're in their head. They got it kicked in at Kansas State. It hasn't gotten any better. And then they start asking questions and trying to get out of what their responsibilities are. And I just don't see a lot of liveliness out of them at all. Once their confidence is busted... Uh, you've got to go to the extreme links to get it back. And I don't know if that you can even put a time frame on getting any semblance of confidence back. 
No, I mean, I, I think you're right. That doubt has to creep in. And, and Brent Venables, the last few weeks in this staff, they've acknowledged it to kind of varying degrees. Some weeks, you know, Brent Venables at one point said, you know, I think it was Kansas State, that he saw guys playing afraid to make a mistake. And that, that is exactly what you're hitting on. The next week, he, when asked about it, said he didn't remember saying it. Um, so there, there's some of that, that has certainly played into some of the analysis. Um, but, you know, looking at TCU to Texas, yes, there were fewer of those busts. Uh, Texas did not break off those same big plays uh, that, that TCU was able to in week, uh, week five. But at the same time, sitting there in the Cotton Bowl, Texas never looked like they had to get out of first gear. They just kind of operated how they wanted to. Quinn Ewers looked comfortable like he could have had a, you know, a daiquiri there in the backfield because he wasn't going to get touched, and he had all the time in the world to, to get the ball off. And I will say, for as impressive as he was, he missed some throws, and he missed some he guys did. downfield yep. that, that he just had. It, it could have been seven touchdowns for him, and, and maybe some of those plays at TCU took advantage of they didn't because uh, there were guys open downfield that he maybe never saw. Uh, but, you know, fact is he didn't need to see him. They, they found 49 points, no problem. And so fewer of those busts, but I, it, you could debate, like, what's a bigger indictment? is is just the, the ease and comfort that Texas operated with. And, and it's why you, you just don't know. I mean, I, at this point, you know, I, I think a backup quarterback could come here and, and give them a challenge. I don't think uh, Jason Bean with Kansas, it is him. He, he's, he's got speed. He's, he's last week he's got the arm. Uh, nothing this defense has done yet would, would suggest that, uh, you know, them facing a backup quarterback means necessarily anything good for the Sooners this week. Eli Letterman is with us here via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline. Part of the area in which that you can gain a little bit of confidence is knowing that you uh, have the ability to at least score some points. And that's been completely out the window since the first half at, at TCU. Uh, when Dylan Gabriel went down, they do. If they do get Dylan back this week, the offense is going to perform better because you can't get any worse than what it was. Uh, where the three of us, the combination of us three, right, that would be the big thing. Is could we pass for more than thirty-nine yards against the Texas defense? Myself, you included, Eli and Matt. If we played quarterback, uh, that would be a, a a funny scenario to watch play out. So they can't get any worse than what they are. But with them being able to stay on the field, get some results, if if this is a confidence issue and just trying to build them up in any way, like that seemingly could go a long way for them defensively just to get the offense back out there to feel like that they have an opportunity to stay in a game. You're exactly right. I mean, getting Dylan Gabriel back would be huge on, on several levels. As you laid out, you know, that, that offense, you know, maybe it'd be hard to envision an offense being able to perform worse than they did Uh against Texas and so you'd hope with Dylan Gabriel back that they can get back on track and that this offense looks itself again the other thing is is we heard this and this was not um, an indictment in any way of of Davis Bevel or those other guys but there is an emotional difference of not having Dylan Gabriel there uh, in the backfield we heard that after he left uh, against TCU that that second half you know just Marvin Mann said it an emotional difference because as we know Dylan Gabriel is not just a quarterback on this team. He's been its emotional leader and kind of its compass uh, all the way back to January when he showed up. And we talked about that all summer uh, and into the season, and, and they went without him. And, and I think that certainly could be a shot in the arm, um, and it'll help you know, if they can stay on the field or put up some points. There's no doubt that helps the defense. But um, I, I do think that you know, this is another week where we're going to – this defense has yet another defining performance in front of it. 
uh, and that could go both ways as it has kind of the last few weeks. We asked the question on Monday, and the question was, what's next? How do you reset what your goals are? Because if your goal is coming in for a program like Oklahoma, and Venables even admitted this on his coach's show, which is, hey, you know, winning is not guaranteed no matter what program that you are. Um, in resetting your goals for this, I think his message from the coaches show is dead on with what it should be, which is we're not changing who we are. We're not changing how we do things at all. If we're a firm believer in what we're doing is the proper way forward, then we're going to stick to it. And if this isn't for you, and who knows with the way the portal is at some point, maybe they'll actually ask some people to go. No one knows yet. we got a long way to go. But he's at least saying all the things right now about trying to rally the troops behind the scene. And his coaches show, I would almost guarantee Eli is echoed the same comments from the coaches show into the locker room. Certainly. I mean, in, down to his press conference yesterday, I mean, he's been asked a few times now about changing the system, simplifying, or, or really changing most anything. And, you know, he you know, went back to it and said, I've done this for 20 years. I know that over time, if we get the commitment we need and all that, that this works. He's seen it. You know, he, he's not looking at, he's not tossing away those 20 years over three games. Uh, and, and he's sticking in and he's digging in in that sense. And we'll see, you know, for better or worse. But certainly that, that resolve is there. He's, he's dug in on that. Um, and we'll see where, you know, it goes from here. You talk about, you know, expectations. We can, you could set something for it and make it, you know, anywhere from winning the next six games and winning out to just making a bowl game because we're having those conversations now. But I, I think it's just, it's got to be progress. That's what you haven't seen the last three weeks. I think we'd be having a very different conversation if they'd played Texas and, and a week after TCU come in there and, and looked better on defense. Didn't have to win the game, but it was the fact that they kind of came in again and, and just looked very much sort of the same. It's probably got to be the most concerning part. And so these next six games, I think what you'd want to look out for is, is signs of progress, whatever that would look like. I don't know if that means, you know, winning the next five, the next six, or if it just means, you know, going three and three, but, but seeing the signs, that's, that's where it's got to be at this point and, and looking into, into the future. Yeah, you can get better, and that doesn't necessarily equate to wins. Uh, you can get better at multiple things, and it doesn't mean that you're going to win a whole heck of a lot of uh, more games. And I just think naturally, anyway, they're going to progress to a certain point where they're getting better just from the amount of playing time with some of these guys. Uh, all right, so now that you've had a chance to watch them up close and in person, what was your overall thought on Texas? Because we can sit here and be talking about Oklahoma all that we want, but for the first time in quite some time, however you want to list this, they've got – and I'm only going to use this brand of car because of the affiliation that – my man has with 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 uh, Lamborghini, but you've got a Lamborghini at running back, seemingly a Lamborghini at quarterback. You know you've got a Lambo out of wide receiver. This is a Texas team that is loaded in a lot of places offensively that can cause problems. From what you saw on Saturday, I know Oklahoma was bad, but are they a legit contender still in the Big 12 Conference, even with that loss to Tech early? Well, I think they have to be. And I mean, man, can you imagine if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt and we're maybe talking about uh, a Texas team that beat Alabama and is unbeaten right now. Uh, I, I won't say it now, but shoot, we'd certainly be talking about Texas being back then. And I think, you know, in this Big 12 where it, it seems fairly wide open, I mean, even OSU this week, you know, th there's a matchup of unbeatens in, in Fort Worth between Oklahoma State and, and TCU, you know, wide open conference where, uh, where I think we're going to see a lot of teams beat up on one another. 
to your point, a team that's got a, a Lamborghini quarterback, a Lamborghini running back, and those skill guys and some of that talent on defense, the talent we have seen consistently go to Texas, yet the school somehow manages to underperform, seems to be kind of meeting that expectation finally. And, and with a quarterback like Quinn Ewers, I'd say the sky's the limit, as I said, and as you noted too, he wasn't perfect last week, uh, but he didn't need to be either. And, and he kind of has – he has it. He has it all. Uh, and, shoot, I mean, as much as we're focused maybe on uh, – we were focused on Oklahoma State-Baylor. This week you had Oklahoma State-TCU. That Oklahoma State-Texas game is looking pretty juicy now uh, as maybe one that, that has some real significant bearing on where things go. It was weird last night with the whole Jalen Daniels report. <laughs> and then Jalen Daniels being like, yeah, that's news to me. And then uh, Leipold tweeting out a photo of Jalen in his office, sending out pictures of him. What a weird saga <laughs> that that was over the last 20 hours or so. And now we're kind of we're back to square one again where no one knows what the real story is and whether or not that he's going to play coming up this weekend. Well, I will mention for, for no reason in particular that last week Dylan Gabriel was seemingly very prominently placed in some hype videos came out to warm up in a game that he likely never had a shot of playing in. We found out afterwards that they knew he couldn't play that day. So wouldn't put it, would never put it past a, a, a college footballer, just a football coaching staff for any level of deception or trying to keep things vague for, for competitive advantage. Um, but yeah, no, the stuff out of Kansas has been a little vague because we went from yesterday to doubtful to play Saturday to Jalen Daniels is done for the year. And then that being news to Jalen Daniels himself. So I think, uh, kind of back away, wait and see approach. But I would guess just from everything we're hearing and the fact that even if it's not season ending, you'd imagine they'd proceed with some caution that it will be Jason Bean going against the Sooners on uh, on Saturday. Eli, good stuff, man. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us this afternoon, and we look forward to doing it again soon. Always happy to do it. That's Eli Letterman joining us from the Tulsa World here on the Blitz 1170 via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline. We invite you out to Oktoberfest, October 20th through the 23rd at River West Festival Park. You can join the Blitz for German bands, beer, European food, and we're giving away free family four-packs of tickets, man. Just listen to the Morning Blitz between 6 and 9 for your chance to win. It's Oktoberfest. It's brought to you by the Blitz 1170. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next, including a look at the backup quarterback position in college football and how 2022 is probably a year that you are going to see change the game, so to speak, when it comes to quarterbacks across college football. And OU might be the prime example of this. That's next year on the Blitz 1170.